So did anybody get a chance to get on the river this summer and like float? You can get like start at certain spots and float along the river, float down there. And anybody ever done that on our river before? We have an amazing river for something like that, for an adventure like that. You can get kind of spend a calm and lazy afternoon just floating down the river. Uh, it's so much fun. What I love about rivers is that rivers are not stagnant. Rivers have a direction. Rivers have a purpose. But the route of a river will take is rarely straight. In fact, most of the time you're on a river, you don't know what's ahead because there's twists and there's turns. I used to love floating down a river as a teenager because you'd have these moments where you don't know what's around the next bend. And you kind of have this anticipation as you're coming around that bend to see what's there. Maybe, maybe there's a little bit of rapids. Maybe there's some calm waters. Maybe there's a deep spot where you can stop and swim for a bit. Uh, maybe it's shallow water and you can wade it around and throw some rocks and have some fun. If you've ever been down a river before and you don't know, you, you've never been down that river, you don't, you don't know what's ahead. Uh, rivers are full of surprises and in many ways life is like that. The route that we take in life is rarely straight. We tend to think, oh, I'm going to go off to college. I'm going to get graduate. I'm going to meet somebody. We're going to have a couple of kids. We're going to have a nice house and then we'll retire. But many times that's not how life goes. There's twists and there's turns along the way in life. There's moments where you don't know what's around the corner. There's moments where something that happened in your life, you just were like, oh, what did I just go through? I went through the rapids. Like, I just did not expect what just happened. Um, uh, you don't know in life if there's a difficult season ahead. You don't know if there's a calm stretch ahead where you can just relax and kind of enjoy things for a while. Well, in Joshua chapter 3, God's people find themselves at the edge of the Jordan River. They've spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Now they have arrived at the promised land. And this is a place or a land that God had promised that he would give to Abraham about 400 years ago, God had promised he would give this land to Abraham's descendants. So this is a big moment where they've finally arrived, but there's just one problem. The Jordan River at this particular time of year is at flood stage. Historians have estimated what the river looked like during this time of year at the place they would have crossed over, and they estimated that the river would have been about 100 feet across and more than 10 feet deep. And if you think about it, that's pretty wide and pretty deep considering they don't have bridges in this era. So they need to somehow cross the river on foot. Not only do they have to cross the river, but they didn't really know what was waiting for them completely on the other side. So during flood season, um, would have been filled with fast moving water, but Joshua was determined to cross the river. In verse 6, Joshua turns to the priests and says, lift up the Ark of the Covenant and lead the people across the river. And so they started out. And then verse 8, he says to them, when you come to the banks of the river, take a few steps in and stop. Now just picture this for a moment because you have these priests standing there and they've got this Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders which is essentially a big heavy box and it contains the law of God. It contains the Ten Commandments and the, the laws that we have in Exodus. They're carrying this, empty or this heavy box and they're looking down at this raging river in front of them and Joshua is asking them to take a step into this raging river. And if I'm the priests, I'm gonna say, you know, you first, Joshua, you come down here from that 
hill and, and you go in first. I mean, this looks scary. I might be swept away. I might drown. There's no way that I'm doing this. And maybe you're on the edge of something in your life today. Maybe you are on the edge of a river that you need to cross. Maybe there's a challenge going on in your life. Maybe there's a faith-filled risk that God is asking you to take. And the more you pray about it and the more you think about it, you realize that God is asking you to do this. In fact, God has put this in front of you to do, and you wonder, can I do this? And you think, God, if I take a step into this situation, I might be swept away. And as the priests stood there at the edge of the Jordan, they asked, they, they, they had, the question they had to ask is, would they cross the river? Would they take one step? And would they trust God to do the rest? And that, that's the question that I wanna ask you today, will you cross your river? Will you take one step in the direction that God is leading you to go and will you allow God to do the rest? Part of following Jesus is there's moments where we come to the edge where we feel unsafe and we feel uncertain and we just don't quite know what's going to come next, but here's what you need to know. The miracle that you are waiting for, the miracle that you are praying that God would do, it's not found on the riverbank, it's found in the river. The answer to that prayer, the answer to the cry of your heart, the answer can only be found if you take that step into the river. Many times God will bring you to the edge of the river and he asks you to step in and to just trust him. And our journey with Jesus begins with a step of faith. For some people, giving their life to Jesus comes fairly easily, but maybe for you it's been a hard decision. Maybe for you it's been a hard journey and you're just trying to figure out, is there a God? Is God real? And, and, and then you're starting to think about, is Jesus real? Did Jesus really live? Did Jesus really die? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Is that what, is what the Bible says true? That we as human beings are all sinners, that before a righteous God, we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glory and we all need Jesus because it's only in Jesus that we are saved. Man, for some people, that's a huge step of faith and maybe that is you. Maybe you are still trying to figure out the answers to some of those questions that you have. If you are, then Alpha is a great place for you to start. And your river today is this question, can I trust Jesus? Should I give my life to Jesus? Maybe for some of you, that river is baptism. And you've trusted Jesus, you've started this journey with Jesus, but you've not yet taken that step of the commitment of baptism. And we're gonna have a baptism service here on October 22nd. In all of our services, we're gonna be baptizing people and we just wanna baptize a lot of people. And I just feel that there's some people that are just waiting that baptism is a step that you just have not crossed. It's something for whatever reason you're not sure about, you're not certain about. And, and maybe for you, your river is baptism. And you've just kind of struggled to make that decision to commit to Jesus and take that step of baptism. Maybe for you, the river is a big decision that you need to make about your life, about your career, about your job, about your education. Maybe for you, your river is summoning the courage <clears throat> to go and talk to your neighbor and invite them to come to church with you or to start to talk with them about Jesus. What is your river? 
What's that obstacle that's in your path that God wants you to go through? What is it where you know God is leading me into this? I need to take this step, but I feel unsafe. I feel it's unpredictable. I feel uncertain. You might not be sure if you wanna jump in, if you wanna take that step, but here's what you need to know. God does some of his best work in the river. It's in the river that you experience God's provision. It's in the river that you experience God's protection. It's in the river that you feel yourself being stretched and strengthened and you you feel your faith is growing. The life of faith is not lived on the riverbank. The life of faith is often lived in the river, trusting God. You meet God in the river. And that's what's gonna happen for the people of Israel in this story as they cross the river Jordan. They're gonna meet God and they're gonna have a holy moment with God in this river. And God is gonna show up in their lives in a way that they will never forget. You ever been river rafting? Anybody ever done like a class four or a class five whitewater rapids? Can be an amazing experience. Class four rapids are described as powerful and intense, but predictable. Class five rapids are described as obstructed, and violent and exposing the paddler to risk, right? So some of us, that's like, yes, I wanna do that. I've never done that before, that sounds amazing. Some of us are like, no, no way, you're not gonna get me out there. And I, I could tell you stories about whitewater rafting, you could watch a video of people whitewater rafting, but you never know what it's really like until you get on the water and really experience it for yourself. And when you're out there, it's amazing, it's scary, it's tough, it's amazing. Maybe you're on the edge of something scary. Maybe there's a challenge that you are about to go through with your health or a challenge in your relationship or a challenge in your job. Maybe there's something in your life, it's a faith-filled risk and you just know that God wants you to do it. But everything within you is God going, God, I just can't do it. I don't have what it takes. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is when you don't let fear stop you. Courage is when you do what God says, even when you're not sure how it's going to turn out. Courage is not something that you can bring up on your own. Courage is something that the Holy Spirit of God wants to give to you. So today, if you're on the edge of the riverbank and there's some place that you know God is calling you to go, my hope, my challenge is gonna be that you would cross that river. But before you do, there's four things that you need to know about river crossings. The first one is this, you need to be spiritually ready. So the Israelites, they're camped on the banks of the Jordan River. Joshua comes to the people and here's what he says. Joshua told the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. To purify yourself means to make yourself spiritually ready. When a surgeon is about to go into surgery, they wash their hands, they wash their arms up to the elbows, they are wanting to get all of the impurities off of their hands so that as they go into the surgery, even though they're wearing gloves, so they go into the surgery, they don't want anything to infect the patient. They don't want anything to contaminate the patient. And that's the idea of this process of getting ready for something special, of getting ready for, for God to do something in your life. Joshua says, if you're gonna cross this river, you need to be spiritually prepared. You need to make sure that your hands are clean, that your heart is clean before God. 
and that anything that might contaminate the situation is removed. In Joshua's day, they might have anointed each other with oil. They might have prayed over each other. They might have said a blessing over each other. They would have repented of any sins that they had committed, anything that they might have done that had come between themselves and God. They might have offered some sacrifices to God. One of the best ways to approach crossing a river in your life is to get alone with God. And you know, sometimes when I have a difficult river that's coming in my life, I will get alone with God and I'll just take an afternoon or I'll take an evening. And in my case, my time off starts on Thursday night and ends on Saturday morning. And then Saturday afternoon, I kind of start to work towards Sundays again. Um, and sometimes when I have a difficult river that I'm crossing in my life, I'm going to take Thursday night or I'm going to take Friday morning and I'll just put on some worship music and I'll just let God prepare me and I'll let God speak to me and I'll let God restore my soul and I'll re- let God purify my soul as if I'm preparing for that river crossing. For some of you, this is what Sunday morning is for you. Sometimes you come here and you just need to hear from God and you have something difficult that's ahead of you and as you lean into worship a little more and you hunger for the presence of God a little more and for some of you, Sunday morning is your way of letting God prepare you for what is going to come in the week ahead. But whatever you're going to face in the river this week, you know that you can't face it without Jesus. You ever been to a pool that's been shut down because somebody had an accident in the pool? Somebody's kid, somebody else's kid had an accident in the pool. What happens? The lifeguard blows their whistle. They're like, everybody out of the pool. Pool's contaminated. And they don't tell you what happened, but everybody knows what happened, right? You know, everybody's whispering, hey, you know, somebody's kid pooped in the pool, right? And then you find out it was your kid. (laughs) That's when you get a little embarrassed. But the pool's become contaminated. It needs to be purified. It needs to be made right. And the same thing can happen in your life. We live in a culture that has become contaminated. There's a verse in Isaiah 64 that says this. It says, we're all sin-infected. We're all sin-contaminated. Our best efforts are like filthy rags. We live in a world right now where teenagers are being tempted to inhale something or vape. They might be tempted to send suggestive messages to each other in school. They are tempted to bully someone who is different from them. They, they are being bombarded with sexual images coming across on their phones. So as adults, we're tempted to gossip about our neighbor. We're tempted to slam somebody with whom we disagree. We're tempted to view pornography, to be unfaithful to our spouse, to fudge on our taxes, or just to simply ignore God and do whatever we want to do. That's why we need to rinse off. And we need to spiritually prepare ourselves on a regular basis to cross those rivers. In fact, one of the ways to stay ready is to develop a healthy spiritual routine. I believe this is crucial for all of us living in this day and age. We almost need to have a daily routine where we just get with God and we hear from God and where we purify our hearts before God. And Jesus modeled this for us. The best way to stay ready to cross the rivers in your life is to get up just a little bit earlier and take some time to pray and take some time to read the Bible. Reading the Bible is like swimming upstream. Downstream is this steady flow of anxiety and discouragement and false teaching. And you get it from 24-hour news stations. You get it from social media. So when I read the Bible, 
It's an opportunity to set all of that aside and just hear from God and remind myself of God's promises. Let me ask you, what's your morning routine? Maybe some of us get up and when we get to, uh, you know, we get up, we go on Yahoo Sports, we check the game results, we go on Facebook, we check that, we go on TikTok, we check that, we go on Instagram, we check that, and then we say, oh, you know, I've got too much to do today, I don't have time to read my Bible, and then we're at work and we're at home getting stuff done, crossing things off of our to-do list, but spiritually, we're not ready to cross the rivers that God has for us. I want to encourage you as we start this new year to figure out a morning routine that works for you. Your morning routine will vary from season to season. You might listen to your Bible on a podcast on your way to work. You might journal out your prayers uh, in, in the morning or at night at the end of the day, but find something that you can do to get with God. We have a prayer group on Facebook and every morning a verse and a prayer goes out on that prayer group at 6.30 a.m. That could be a great way, a lot of people find that that's encouraging. That could be a great way for you to just connect. You can just go on Facebook, look for Hillcrest Church prayer meeting and you can find that we'll let you join the group and you'll get that as a way to just start your day and just purify your heart to start the day and get you ready for the day ahead. You know what I find in life is some of the best things in my life are the boring routines that I do every day. When I'm at my best, I am getting up at the same time, I'm eating the same thing for breakfast, I have the same morning routine when I come into work, all that kind of stuff. When I'm at my best, I have that routine and that routine actually helps me to do all the things that God has put in my heart to do. But when I'm not at my best, I hit snooze once, (laughs) I hit snooze twice, I hit snooze three times. And then all of a sudden I'm behind and I'm going, God, I don't have time for you today. And I don't have time for breakfast, so I'm gonna grab one of Karen's famous pumpkin cookies in the staff fridge and I'm gonna have one of those. And, And it's not a great way to start. Are you spiritually prepared to cross the rivers that God has for you to cross? Whatever river it is that God has called you to cross today, Joshua said to the people, purify yourselves because tomorrow the Lord's gonna do amazing things. Do you want God to do amazing things in your marriage? Amazing things in your family, in your business, in your school, in your church? You've gotta be spiritually ready. The second thing about crossing rivers is make sure it's the right river. (laughs) This one kinda seems like a no-brainer, but make sure if you're gonna cross the river, it's gonna take all that time, it's gonna take a miracle of God to do, you better make sure you're crossing the right river. So the Israelites, they've been wandering for 40 years and they kinda know the terrain, but Joshua sends out two spies in Joshua chapter two and they kinda go out to survey the land and they go out to survey the city of Jericho that's ahead of them and they're looking at the river, they're looking at all of the options of a place to cross. They kind of tried to find the best one for that season. All of that stuff that the, the spies are doing, they're making sure that it's the right river, they're making sure that it's the right spot. And these spies come back and they say, the Lord has surely given this land into our hand. All of the people are melting in fear because of this. What's interesting about this is the Israelites knew the train. They, they, you would think they knew the rivers that were coming up, but just to be sure, Joshua sends out two spies 
and they make sure this is the right river, this is the right spot, this is the right way to do this. Abraham Lincoln once said, give me six hours to chop down a tree, I'm gonna spend the first four hours sharpening the ax. And there's some of us today, you might be standing on the edge of moving in with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And I just wanna ask you today, are you sure that's the right river? Better send out some spies, better gather some information. Research tells us that couples who live together before getting married are more likely to experience abuse and infidelity. They're more likely to have financial loss or divorce if they end up getting married later on. Statistically and biblically, that's not the right river. Make sure you're crossing the right river. How do you know what the right river is? Well, it's not based on your feelings. It's not based on what you would like to do. You have to compare it to what the Bible says and to what godly people in your life are saying. You need to know that you're about to cross the right river. Here's the third thing you need to know about river crossings, expect trouble. Just expect it. So God comes to Joshua and he says, you know, when you cross this river, you're gonna have seven nations that are gonna be prepared to battle against you for this land. You're gonna have the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and all of these nations, they're gonna be coming for you. They know that you're coming. They're not gonna surrender easily. So expect trouble, but God says, I will be with you and I will drive them out ahead of you. Now, if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, are you kidding me, God? You've asked us to consecrate ourselves. We've set out some spies. Now you're telling me that we have to do battle in this situation. Anytime you try to do something significant for God in your life, trouble always accompanies it. Anytime you try to cross your river to get where God wants you to go, you should expect to meet opposition. You take that step to put your trust in Jesus, to follow Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, and you experience the peace that Jesus brings and the freedom of forgiveness from sin, and it is great, but there's also trouble that comes along with that decision to follow Jesus. You get baptized. You make that decision to solidify your faith commitment. You can expect trouble. I've seen it happen so many times. People get baptized and then they go through a month or a few months or even a year of the worst time of their life. And I don't know why it works that way, but I've seen it happen often. And Jesus put it this way. He said, in life, you will have trouble. Just expect it. Just bank on it. It's going to happen. Heard a story this week about a guy who bought a house and he went through the home inspection. He did all that kind of stuff. He thought, this house is a blessing from God. This house is an amazing gift from God. This is just gonna be so good, so easy, so neat and tidy. We're gonna move in and it's gonna be great. He's at the home inspection and the guy, the homeowner is there with him and he's talking and he says, did you see the sauna in the basement? He's like, yeah, I saw the sauna. Back of his mind, he's thinking, that's gonna be the first thing to go, right? I'm not gonna keep that sauna. And, and the guy goes, and it works. And he's like, why is he saying the sauna works? Why is he making such a big deal? But ends up, they get into the house, they find out the sauna is about the only thing that works in this place. In spite of the home inspection, they move into this. The uh, doorbell doesn't work. The water softener doesn't work. He got electrocuted in his basement shower because the guy did the electrical work wrong. Um, Jesus said in this life, you can expect trouble. Not everything is gonna go well. Not everything is gonna work easily 
Even things that seem like they're blessings from God, you can expect that there will be trouble along with it. And Joshua, they might have thought this was going to be easy. God promised us we're going to harvest fields that we didn't plant. God promised us that this was, land was flowing with milk and honey, but they were surprised that they also had to get some work, uh, do some work to get it and to, to receive this blessing. That's the way it works with the blessings of God. God puts opportunity in our path, but often we need to put some work in to make that opportunity happen. Somebody asked me this week, they said, you know that phrase, God helps those who help themselves? Is that actually in the Bible? And I said, well, actually not quite in the Bible like that, but that principle is all throughout the pages of the Bible. If you look at the book of Proverbs, the entire book of Proverbs is about what happens when we choose to trust God, when we choose to follow the Lord, when we choose to fear the Lord, when we choose to fear, live a life of wisdom, when we choose to make the right friends, when we choose to make wise financial decisions, when we choose to make wise decisions in life, God often blesses us as we take that action and as we live with wisdom. But sometimes we think, oh, I'm going to cross into this situation and God is going to bless me and it's going to turn out great. And God says, yes, I'm going ahead of you and I'm going to ultimately take care of this situation, but there's a part that you will have to play in making that promise happen. And it works this way in our own lives. You decide, you know, I want to work on my marriage. And so you go in to see a marriage counselor and then going in to see a marriage counselor stirs up all of the negative emotions that kind of have been hiding under the surface of your marriage. And you go through six months of intense conflict. And you're going to have some trouble. But you've decided, no, we're going to do this. We're going to get through this. We're going to sort through this because we need to get to the other side of our marriage. If you decide to go back to school and get your degree, expect trouble. Expect it to be hard. When you discipline your child, expect it to be hard. When you adopt a child, there's going to be some challenges that come with that. But that doesn't mean it's not the river that God wants you to cross. That doesn't mean it's not the thing that God wants you to do. Here's the fourth thing you need to know when you find a river crossing is take the step. So the Israelites, they're standing on the edge of the Jordan River and look at what Joshua or what God says in, in terms of telling the story. It says, as soon as the priest stepped into the water, the water from upstream stopped flowing. This blows my mind. They put one foot into the water and all of a sudden water that has been raging past them just comes to a stop. It's no longer flowing. The description tells us that it stopped flowing at Adam, which was a little bit earlier on, and it, it, it stopped flowing, and the water kind of stopped flowing at Adam, and that would have kept flowing until they took their step in. So what's cool about this is God had already stopped the water, and they stepped in, and they didn't realize God had stopped the water out ahead, but they took that step of faith, and they stepped in, and the ground dried up, and the river moved on, and the river was bunched up at the town of Adam. So God was even going ahead of them as they're taking their step of faith. God is waiting for you to take one step. Not 10 steps, not 20 steps, not do it all on your own. He's simply taking, waiting for you to take one step 
Nothing happens until you take a step. Problem is, so many of us take our time. We look at all of our problems. We look at all of our obstacles. We look at our river and we take our eyes off of God. And we put our eyes on to all of the problems and all the reasons why we shouldn't do this. It kind of reminds me of Peter, where Peter was sitting in a boat and all of a sudden he saw Jesus walking miraculously across the water and he took, uh, took a step out onto that water. And as long as he was looking to Jesus, he was living a miracle. As long as he was looking at Jesus, as long as his eyes were fixed on Jesus, he was living a miracle. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus and he started to look at the waves and the wind and all the problems, that's when he started to sink. Life goes so much better when we fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews says this in chapter 12, how do we live by faith? How do we walk by faith? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who perfects our faith. Let me ask you, what are your eyes fixed on? Today, are they fixed on all of the reasons you shouldn't cross this river? Are they fixed on all of the problems that you anticipate having? Are they fixed on all of the reasons why you can't do this? See, a lot of us know the step we need to take, but we say, you know, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to make that phone call next week. I'm going to reconcile that relationship sometime in the future. I'm going to start that project. I don't know. I'll get to it someday. But here's what you need to know. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Don't wait until tomorrow to take a step of faith today. If you know what you need to do today, just take that step. I don't even know if you've ever experienced watching a little baby, a little toddler, take their first steps. It's one of the most beautiful experiences you can have in life, especially if it's your little one. And I remember when our daughter, Sarah, took her first step, she used to kind of scooch around on her butt. And that's kind of the way she, she didn't crawl. She always just kind of scooched around on her butt. And then one day there was something that she saw that she wanted. And she knew she couldn't get there quickly doing it the old way. So she stood up and she started to take a few steps. Now, as a parent, when that happens, you are excited and you are clapping and you are cheering and you are smiling and you are laughing. You're just excited, even though you know that they're going to fall. You know that they're probably only going to take a few steps and they might just fall right there. And, and, you know, you know that. But as a parent, you're just like, man, this is great. What do you not say as a parent? You don't say, when they fall, you don't say, get up, you loser, you know? You don't say, oh, you know, the other kid took four steps, you only took three, right? Like, you don't, you don't say that. As a parent, as a mother or father, you just rejoice, you're just excited that they're taking a step. Here's what I want you to picture God looking at today and how he sees you as you're about to take this step and cross this river. When God sees his son or his daughter take one step towards him, he's like a proud parent. Look at what the Bible says in Zechariah 4. It says, do not despise small steps because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. It says the Lord rejoices and notices it. And he says, do not despise small things. Don't let the start stop you. So many of us, we let the start be the thing that stops us. Don't let the start 
stop you. Look at how the story ends. As soon as the priest touched the water, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Piled up in a heap a great distance away, the priest stood on dry ground till the whole nation crossed over on dry ground. Here's my question for you. What's your river today? What's the river in front of you that you know you need to cross? And you just need to do it. You just need to start to figure it out. You just need to consecrate yourself, get yourself ready, make sure it's the right river, expect trouble, but you just need to take the step and start to walk out by faith and step out by faith. Maybe that river is restoring a relationship and you're just like, you, can, you have all kinds of reasons. You say, no, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna have that conversation because I know what I'm gonna get. I know the response I'm gonna get. It's not gonna work out. It's not gonna happen. Maybe that river is something that you're looking at that just is a big project and it's something big that God's calling you into in your business and you're just like, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't, I don't know if it's gonna fail. I, I just don't know how it's gonna work. Maybe your river is your neighbor and you, you, you want to talk to your neighbor about Jesus and you want to invite your neighbor to come to church. You want to have a conversation with your neighbor, maybe even invite them to Alpha. You wanna to talk to them about Jesus. You want them to know who Jesus is. Maybe your river is a family member, a friend, and, and you just are praying for them and your heart just longs for them to come back to God or to come into a relationship with Jesus and just to know who Jesus is. Maybe that's your river this morning. We're doing something this year. We, we've been doing this for a little while. We have this Jesus wall that's out there. And the Jesus wall is, uh, we've seen God fill this Jesus wall up two different times um, over the last number of years. And we've just decided we wanna walk by faith. We wanna cross the river and we wanna, we wanna challenge ourselves as staff. We wanna challenge our congregation. Let's fill this wall again. Let's see God fill this wall again. And so we've taken down most of the light bulbs. There's a few still up from, that are more recent ones. Uh, we didn't feel like, okay, I put my light bulb up in June and now it's gone, right? We didn't wanna do that. So, but we've got a bunch of space up there and we're ready to see what God would do. And here's what I want you to do today. I want you to take one of these cards, the light bulb on it, and I want you to write on there the name of your friend, your neighbor, your family member that you are going to pray for, that they will come into a relationship with Jesus. And uh, we've got extra cards available at the ushers tables and at the Jesus wall. And maybe you wanna copy out the names twice. Maybe you wanna you know, take two, make two cards because what we'd like you to do is to drop your card into a, the prayer bowl. There's a, a bowl out there, kind of a nice wooden bowl. And our prayer team is gonna take this prayer bowl and just pray through these names every Sunday through our services. And maybe you wanna take home one card for yourself as a reminder and put it on your fridge, put it in your Bible, put it in you know, someplace you're gonna see it. And just, can we just believe and trust God that he wants to reach our city, that God wants to reach the people in our city, that God wants 
to see our neighbor come to know him even more than we do, that God wants to see our friend come to know him even more than we do. And could we just start to pray? And could we just start to look for opportunities to share Jesus? And wouldn't it be amazing if God filled this Jesus wall in one year? Wouldn't it be amazing if we just look back at the end of this year and we're just like, God, two out of the five people that I've been praying for, they came to know Jesus this year. And it was just amazing. I, I can't even explain how grateful I am. If we take that step into that river, what we're gonna see is God do some amazing things. We're gonna look back at the end of this year and say, man, God, you were so good. God, you were so good. So that's my challenge for us today. Would you just start to pray, start to think, start to dream of who you can share Jesus with? And let's see God fill that Jesus wall with responses of people, of lives changed, of stories, of hearts changed because of what Jesus has done. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, your love in our life. Father, I pray for each person here today and the river that they need to cross. Whatever that river is, if it's a hard decision to say no to something, if it's uh, a conversation they need to have, if it's, it's a difficult step of faith they need to take, Father, I pray that you give them the strength and the courage to step in and cross that river with your help. And Father, as well, I just pray over these names that we're gonna write out on these cards. And as we're gonna begin to pray as a church body, as a church family over this year, Father, we just ask that you would come and do a miracle. We're trusting that you love this city and we're trusting that you love the people in it. And we're trusting that they are gonna have a hunger for you. And we ask that you would begin to do more than we can ask or imagine or think. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen.